What's for lunch? T-double-B-L-C. Stay in your seat. What's for lunch today? Brown bag, brown bag. The Brown Bag Lunch Group. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Curtis Quinn, here with my co-host, Drew Luster, up in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Repping the Gloucester gear hat today. I, I let the flow loose a little today, Drew. Um, how you doing? I'm doing good. The flow looks great. I'm still hiding mine for now. Um, but yeah, your summer hair looks to be in full swing with the Damondola jersey. So looking good in Florida. Absolutely. Not too shabby yourself. Let's jump right in, Drew. We'll get to the staple segment here. Hate of the week. It's what we started off with. Season two, episode three here. We'll do love next week. But this week, we got to get some stuff off our chest. I'll pass it off to you for your hate of the week. Yeah, I got two I got two pretty good ones. I'm already laughing to myself. Uh, personally, my first one would have to be... Now, don't jump down my throat here, folks. People who smoke cigarettes near me, whether I'm at a concert, at a beach, it seems like every time I'm at the beach, I sit down, I have to lug in my shit from the boardwalk, right? I sit down. Sweating. I, I'm sweating. I take my shirt off. I take a deep breath, and like you sit in that chair, and you just you smell the ocean. And then what do I smell next? Just smoke and nicotine, and just absolute rubbish. So my one, my primary hate of the week this week is going to be being downwind from a smoker, wherever that is, and you know to the point where you feel like they're smoking under your chin. Like that's horrible. I'll tell you, you what. Know? For for that being a primary, that's a pretty good one. There's a lot of complaints that come in at the beach to the lifeguard stand about, you know, people smoking either near their kids or just by their family too close. Yeah. What I have to tell you, though, not illegal, not illegal on Gloucester Public Beaches, at least when I was there, it was just frowned upon. You just ask the person to maybe move away, take a couple of steps back, maybe, maybe go in the dunes, who knows, but not, not supposed to go in the dunes either, but. Who knows? Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. I think uh, at the end of the day, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Obviously, common courtesy says, you know, don't smoke in someone's face and at least have the wherewithal to look around, I guess. But it doesn't seem like... It's all about spatial yeah. and social especially, distancing, especially right now. Say. Especially right now. So that would be my primary. And I'm going to jump right into my secondary. This is something that has bothered me for my entire life. This is something that I cannot believe I haven't brought up yet. I have, you know how I have like crazy sensory issues and a lot of those things freak me out. Well, here's a good one for you folks. So anyone who aggressively is cutting food with a metal fork and knife on a ceramic plate, like to a point where, you know, the fork and knife are scratching the plate, making those noises constantly. And they just, it's just an unrelenting sound. And then, you know, they go to take a bite of food after they cut their steak up into 49 little pieces. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm about to crack. And then you know what gets me? When they take the butter stick and they bite the fork. Like, <laughs> like you just hear, like, the, the metal run against the, the two front teeth. Oh. It's like, I want to melt into the ground and never be heard from again. <laughs> and sometimes it happens in situations where it may not be appropriate for me to say something. So I literally just, like, hey, Arnold myself under my, de- under yeah, my the desk. Yeah, the fist. Under the table. With, and I'm just like, 
you know, labor breathing, trying to get through it. Maybe this is just one of those weird sensitive sensory issues I have, but it's something that has bothered me forever and I don't ever see it stopping. I don't think so. I think that's definitely one, you know, that goes along with like mouth chewing a little, a little too loud at the dinner table. That's something that grinds my gears. I know it grinds a lot of people's gears. Uh, so I think that's just a dinner table, like no, no for, for anybody out there. If you notice yourself doing it, cut yourself off and save the people around you. Cut it out. <laughs> uh, for my hate of the week, Drew, I, I was grilling this weekend, obviously July 4th weekend. And it was a pretty simple one that I noticed at the community apartment grill. We got down there, very good grill, but it, it rained a little bit earlier and it didn't light like it, it just wasn't lighting. So then mm-hmm. I had to I had to go back up, grab the lighter and do the, you know, the manual. Yeah. Let, let the propane stick it run. in the grate and hopefully yeah. it catches the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Not the safest, but sometimes you got to do it to cook, cook the birds and the dogs. Yeah. So like most girls have, you know, the little lighter hole that you can stick it in. It's pretty safe. This one, I couldn't find it. Doesn't have one. I don't know. It's like on this concrete slab. It's I, I don't get it. But I had to go through the grate, and it was just like, well, we got to heat up enough propane in here and just <laughs> light that match, and hopefully the eyebrows are still there after. Oh, my God. That's a good one. That's something that not a lot of people are going to you know, foresee happening. It just sometimes it's sprung on you, and yep. you got to think on your feet to make it happen. But that's a very solid one. I like that. And I would be hard-pressed to find anybody that didn't ha- like do that and initially got the old flames up to the face. And oh yeah it's a knee jerk it's a knee jerk reaction you got to get out of there but it's always a good time a little a little risky some would say but you got to get the job done as from my secondary i don't have one this week i want to move on to the fans because we had a lot of good ones this week drew let's hear the fans on your side of the house yeah this is from my blood relative my father matter in fact everybody knows he has a ton of hate of the weeks as we all know um Oftentimes, you know, getting things off his chest and airing his grievances, as we say. Uh, not sure if this is going to be necessarily, I guess, directly relatable to a lot of a lot of folks, but um, I guess the, you know, not the pageantry of it, but but the idea of it, I think, will tick a lot of people off. So at some point in their life, they'll get to that point. Whether it's the younger generation now not knowing what's what he's talking about, yeah. but it'll be a life lesson from Mike Luster. <laughs> So I'll just jump right into it, folks. So he texted me this at 7.38, snuck right in. We start recording at 8. So he was he, – this was like last submission of the night type of thing where we yeah. just threw it in last second. So FYI. So here we go. Hate of the week. All time, he says. Going through the car buying process at an auto dealership, haggling back and forth with the salesman, and after much stress, you finally work a deal that you are comfortable with. Wait for it. After you after you finally work that deal and you feel like you're out of the woods, they make you have to sit with the business finance manager, he says. Then the deal you are comfortable with is out the window completely because it's this person's job to sell you the extended warranty, the high-end floor mats, the tire protection, the insect shield, whatever. So his hate of the week, my dad's hate of the week this week, is the business finance manager experience in general at any auto dealership. He says it has made him physically ill before, knowing the deal he cut the day before was shot to shit 
because it's this person's job to come in and try to add dollars on to the end of the deal. So, you, I you, mean, it, it gets me every time, truly. The worst part about this, too, is the fact you know that finance manager has been talking to the salesman because the salesman has to go clear it with them. They clear oh, yeah. it, and then guess what? guess what? You got some extra tag-ons in there. It's like, it's like those lease commercials. This, is, this could be my secondary to go along with this. Yeah. Is, it's like, you know, $1.99 a month, $0 down, and you're like, wow, that sounds like a great deal for that car. And then you get there, and all of a sudden, you're paying three fifty a month. And <laughs> Where did that come insurance from? Insurance is through the roof. Yeah, exactly. And, and just it's to the add fine print. Too. It's the fine oh, yeah. print. Exactly. So what he's done um, recently to try to bypass and loophole that experience is we. I think it was. I don't know if it was Volkswagen or Honda most recently, but. Long story short, he was talking to the sales guy and literally said, look, I will buy this car off you tonight before I leave under one condition that I don't have to sit down and talk to the business finance manager. He says, <laughs> well, we'll call him Mike. He said, Mikey, if you make me sit down with the business finance manager, I will not be purchasing this vehicle from you tonight. I, will, I cannot make that any more clear. So... He strikes the deal, right, Kurt? And he walks up to the, the desk to fill out the paperwork, etc. Yeah. And you see the – now, the person at the desk, they don't know. They're just going through the process like they do with every candidate who's buying a car. They say, yeah. all right. She, she looks back, right, to, to cue the, the business finance manager to get him queued up to go talk to my dad. <laughs> oh, God. And you see the salesperson kind of like slow-mo go, like, no, no, cut it off, cut Lay it off. Like, off. <laughs> yeah, trying to like – because he's like, if if he even walks over there, he's not going to buy this car from me. Yeah. So it was such a helpless and just humoring situation to watch the sales guy just cringe and try to try to wave the guy away so to save the deal. But that's the type of guy my dad is. He's uh, in times like that, he's no BS. He wants to buy the car. He doesn't want to sit down and get haggled. So all the power to him. But that is that's in my Hall of Fame so far for hates of the week. Yeah. A little bit complex, but boy, is it a great one. So detailed, so much passion behind that. Exactly. And my, my one more hate of the week fan submission is, again, I think this is his second or third time on, Evan. I read this and actually LOL'd. He says, laundry coming out of the dryer that isn't quite dry, but you just know it might need a little bit more time. Like, whether you're on a time crunch or, you know, you have the dryer set to just the normal whatever setting – and you go to reach in and you just feel that little, little bit of dampness. And you're just like, WTF, why isn't everything dry? Like, whether it's a pair of shorts or a t-shirt you want to throw on, or you're just expecting the dryer to do its job, nothing <laughs> pisses me off more. And especially in college, when it is like kill or be killed type of situation. People are pulling your wet laundry on the floor. <laughs> I got to like remove this girl's like, you know, bras and undergarments. Yeah. like... If someone comes in, I'm getting arrested. Like, I just want to wash my damn clothes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's we don't have. That's a conversation for another day. But <laughs> I totally relate to the dryer situation. Now, here I'm gonna give you my Drew's hot tip of the week from Curtis here for Evan, and it's gonna be that's on him because it's a classic overloading of the dryer. That dryer is that made. A thing? Oh, it's made for a specific amount of clothes and moisture, Drew. So if you oh, put the correct that. amount in, you're going to get it dry almost every time. But if you overload it a little, that's oh, when you get the dude, dampness. 
I'm overloading the washer and dryer every 92% time. of the time. Every yeah. time. Mostly but every time. I, I don't get angry when it's not dry because... You I, know it's on you. I know it's on me. I take responsibility okay. for, for an industrial-sized load in a commercial dryer. <laughs> Touche. Yes. All right. My fan hates of the week. We got two good ones. Man, EJ is climbing that leaderboard. This is his third time on here as well. He says, when you're playing cornhole and you're doing the scoring system where is it's if you don't hit 21 perfectly, you go back down to 15, 11, or 10, depending on whatever floats your boat that week. I completely agree with him because you watch the ESPN cornhole, which I did this weekend on July 4th, and it's rally scoring. Also, they now have a time limit. So if you don't even reach 21, but you're the highest score, you win. Which I like because it doesn't reward the loser. I think if you're getting blown out, you know, 19 nothing, and somebody hits a three-bagger on you, and, and you go up to 22 nothing, now you have to go back down to 10? You just yeah. You just got skunked. That shouldn't even be plausible. It's just rewarding the losers to me. I completely yep. agree with them. I can see why maybe at the cookouts where it's a little more friendly, you do the other scoring system. But if we're playing, but if it's cutthroat competitive, you're going all yeah. out. We're gonna gas them. We don't care if it's 22, 23, 26. Yeah, doesn't matter. Absolutely. I see. I I get that because you don't wanna. You're almost not. You're almost taking away the reward of like a good bag. Yeah. So I I I, I relate to that. High powered offense. You're like. You're basically yeah. taking it down a notch. You're putting a governor on that thing. Like like that Marcus Merritt Oregon team, like they're just losing points for scoring touchdowns in like one minute drives, essentially yeah. what that is. Yeah. But on the flip side, I like the idea of being at the beach, have a beer in hand, and when it gets down to strategy at the end and you gotta kinda, you know, mix it up with the crew and figure out, you know, okay, score right now. Like you basically have to at the end, you have to basically calculate the score in real time after every single bag and figure out a strategy. And I kind of like that part of it, obviously to each their own. I agree. I think it depends on the, the atmosphere and environment that you're in. If you're trying to put your heel on somebody's throat, yeah, I don't care. Gas them, put up 35. I don't care. The, but what I like the, the aspect you're saying at the beach drinking beers, if that's the case, nobody's doing math. Nobody wants to, you know, count that. Yeah, out. It's kind of like, Keep the simple scoring system and just light them up. That's yep. that's what I think of. Okay. And then for my secondary Hate of the Week fan submission, I'm going to go with Lenny Zappa, my golf buddy. He says the PGA Tour lack of coverage from 2.30 p.m. to 3 p.m., whether it's Saturday or Sunday, you're looking to watch the final groups tee off. Guess what, Drew? You don't even get to see the final groups tee off. You know why? Because why? there's a 30-minute delay in coverage from Golf Channel to CBS, NBC, or TBS, yeah, whatever they they're airing. Yeah. And it always falls on because the tee times are usually 2.45 to 3 is when that final group goes off. And guess what? You, you don't get, get to see. You, you probably missed the first two holes of the final groups, which is just bananas from a yeah, marketing standpoint. Uh, that's tough timing. I get that. So that one, that one will grind any PGA Tour golf fans uh, because... Or really, I mean, any sports fan, think about it. Like if you're, not even just golf, but if you kind of translate that to other sports, like yeah. I would have a damn heart attack stroke conniption 
hernia if the friggin' Bruins were in the playoffs or something. And I didn't get to watch every waking second. Like, the reason you're watching it is to watch. Like, there's yeah. no reason that there should be an interruption in one of the most important parts of the round. And there's no way no. to watch it other than if you buy the PGA Tour Live subscription, which is yeah. a complete ripoff because once that coverage comes on, you don't need it at all. It's, so it's for literally 30 minutes. It's for like featured groups in 30 minutes, which yeah. nobody wants to do. I get it's just the diehard golf fans. I want to see all 18 holes of a big yeah. tournament, but I hate it. I hate it. And lastly, our honorable mention of the week, me and Drew agreed on this one. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron Coots coming back in with a good one. You want to you wanna toss it out there, Drew? Yeah, I'll take it away. This is, this is gold, and it sent shivers down my spine. It's the, the, the sound of your alarm when you're waking up in the morning. I think everybody can relate to, especially to the classic like Apple iPhone alarm that goes off I in those bursts. That. Oh, me too. It, and it's miserable. Like if I played it right now, I'd probably, a, t- a lone tear would just run down my face. And what we talked about off air, which is the funnier part is Apple actually had the balls to release two different commercials opening up with that sound. And I'm like, you know, I'll, whether I'm sitting there having a conversation and the TV's on in the background, you're not. Maybe you're not totally zoned into what's going on. You get a little, a little. The minute co- you cold hear that commercial, going. yeah. The minute that commercial comes on and you hear the alarm, I mean, it's a great job by Apple, but it it must just piss everybody off because it pisses me off. You're just like, what is going on? Like, yeah. you feel like you just did a 360 upside down. Like, I'm not supposed to be hearing this right now. It's like 4:30 on a Sunday and the alarm's going off on the TV. I, yeah. I get it, but oh my god, does it suck? That's like phones going off on TV and like a, a TV show or something. I'm always looking around, like what the hell is oh, yeah. going on? Oh but yeah, every time. That's an easy one for us. Now let's move on to our sports recap of the week. This one is going to be one of our favorites because we get to talk about the Nathan's hot dog eating contest once again. Joey Chestnut, seventy-five dogs in ten minutes. What a performance, Miki Sudu. Also won again. People forget. She's starting. She's starting to go on a run like Joey did. So, let's let's dive into this. True, your thoughts on the weekend? I know I watched some highlights. I didn't catch the live, but I did get a chance to analyze. And boy, oh boy, do we have some stuff to discuss. We do indeed. I'll let you get into the Saber metrics and the, uh, I guess, the data on your end, so you can get into the granular stuff. I'll start from the top at a high level and just say, hell of a weekend. It's kind of funny how we were talking these two folks up this weekend, and it just so happens, look who comes out on top in dominating fashion as Curtis. And I think he's just finishing off his uh, his blue carousel Powerade for the night. So bravo to him. That's right. Um, bottoms up Powerade, no free ads, whiskey glass. Um, as I was saying, Miki Miki Sudo, I saw her. I caught her live, and. You know, she almost had like a Noma type of thing going with like the, you know, when he'd always step out of the box and adjust the batting gloves. It was almost like a tick, like a competitive tick where every half dog, she would just do the old like, you know, almost dab into her shoulder and wipe like the glizzy juice onto her shirt. <laughs> and it was yeah. like, you could red. see it. You it could was, like, see red the juice. And like brown. And it was just dripping down like her face, but also her shoulder from where she'd wipe the glizzy off her face. So, and not to mention, too, not to mention, too, the lead that this chick had, 
Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but she was at like 30 something and the next was at like 11. Yeah. It and then was... it was like, it was like 30 something for Miki. Then like 11, seven, four, like, like taking candy from a baby. So, you know, maybe it's just, I guess it's a testament to how much better she is than everybody. I don't know if somewhere in the world we can get more competitive eaters on the woman's side because it's getting out of control. Miki has taken over. She might win next, for the next 40 years. Yeah. Well, next next week you're going to hear people bitching and moaning about how she's ruining the sport. She's too good. She's like the Patriots. Well, somebody needs to challenge her. So, so I challenge somebody today, July 7th, to step up and challenge Miki next year. The glizzy goddess. Somebody step up and challenge her on the 4th of July next year. Please. Because I want to see some competitiveness on the women's side. Not that there is, is even any on, on the men's side, but no. Curtis, I like... I like you want to know... Hey, here's Saber Metrics. The runner-up on the men's side. You know 75 for Chestnut. Yeah. 42. I mean, that's good. And it like, wasn't your good. boy. Who was your boy? Nah, Matt Stoney? Matt Stoney. It wasn't him. It Where'd was he come? Darren Breeden. He's not even on the podium. I'm not even going to look. He didn't even come in third. Wow. Miki... 48.5. Very impressive. Wait a minute. So you're telling me Miki would have came in second overall among men and women? Correct, yeah. <laughs> She's the next closest to Joey as of 2020. Holy shit. Laryl Marie Melly, 18, second place runner-up. I mean, that's that's embarrassing. That's the same, tr- same spread, though. Joey had a 33, and that is less than that. That's... 30.5. I think, I, I don't know, you know, Nathan's own like regulations, Title IX, all that stuff, but. It's the same. I'm thinking, it's got to be the same. I'm thinking Miki has to hop over to the men's next year because. Yeah. Nobody is even remotely giving Joey a run for his money. And Miki is She's the improving. glizzy goddess, like I said. I'll say it again. The glizzy goddess, Okay. Watch the video of her wipe the glizzy juice off of her shoulder. She is a damn machine with the dogs. Now, she doesn't necessarily have the mechanics down yet, I don't think. Like, Joey is, like, he's just, they're just sliding down his throat. Like, it's nothing. Yeah. So, I think Miki needs to get a little bit more, not mechanical might not be the word, but I think she's got to figure out, she's got to get a stroke going. She needs a man's stroke to be competitive. Um, but at the end of the day, I guess my last point would be hell of a competition from those two. And I just challenged someone else to step up. I don't even know if Matt Stoney was there. I challenged somebody to take over the glizzy throne next year because I don't want to keep seeing this. I want to see competitive eating. That's what it is, right? That's not competitive. An absolute annihilation on both sides is not competitive to me. Yeah. Uh, for sabermetrics, I just got one stat because we talked about what's the what's the peak of the mountain when it comes to hot dog eating. And we did. If it if it could ever get to a hundred, I said I'd have to see twelve in round one by Joey <laughs> Chestnut. Yeah, I, that's what you said. I saw twenty four in two minutes and three seconds, which is just outrageous. So he was averaging twelve the first two rounds, which makes me think drew that it could it could get above 90 it maybe it doesn't reach 100 but 
I feel like he can maybe I'm get dying. to 90. Oh. Is he like the Michael Phelps where just nobody's going to touch it, or are we going to get something no. down the road where there's better and better, bigger, stronger, faster, more of a stomach? Uh, no, I don't think so because here's my thing. Like, <clears throat> I don't know if I'm the only one who thinks this, but watching Joey finish, first thing I said was, wow, he's that's impressive. Yeah. You know what my second thought was? Naturally, as a human being, I'm like, is this guy okay? Like, I'm worried about this dude's health. He's literally, like, did you see he the looks, looks like he's face? in great shape, though. Okay, like, I guess, physically, yeah, but, like, watching him finish those dogs, like... You're worried as, about his organs, his internal organs. Yeah, like, his mouth and, like, his eye, Like, he was crying and sweating and, like... Afterwards, did you see him getting interviewed? He was, like, waving his hands, trying to, like, breathe. Like, yeah. So I, I just don't know if – at what point do you say, like, this could yeah, kill hang me? it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I, I guess Joey will just be the – he'll tell us. He'll tell us as a society when enough is enough. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how else to put it. I Like you said, 12 and 12 is damn impressive in those first two minutes. It's just a matter of keeping up that stroke. So I am – I can't wait for next 4th of July. I am going to tune into every second of that, and I can't wait. And maybe, maybe, you know what we do? when Because we, we're going to be here in a year. We're not yeah. going anywhere. We'll do a live stream of it. Maybe we'll go there. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll cover it. I don't know. Head on over to Coney Island and, and yeah. check it out for our own eyes. Far away. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, that'll wrap up our Nathan's talk until next year unless we get some big news who knows there could be a retirement i don't think joey's retiring in the next five years he just keeps going no. up he's the top of his game right now same so, with, same with miki my one question before we go is, I, I don't know this i don't know if you do Kurt, or someone listening does do you have to qualify for this competition or is it like the olympics where throughout the year there's other competitions that you need to, as like you know like checkpoints for lack of a better term yeah or is it like because Big Cat was in it, I think. And Correct. He's, so I think you obviously have to get like – There's got to be a qualification. Like you can't – they're not just jumping. We're not just going to jump in willy-nilly. But yep. I'm just curious how that works as well. So that's something I'm going to look up on my own time, I guess. All righty. Well, let's move on over to the PGA Tour side of the house. Uh, for me, the only other major sport going on, I know everything else is starting to kick up, but we're, we're not into the games yet. Bryson DeChambeau making headlines for the past three weeks has a bunch of top tens leading up to this week. And this week he ends up winning a lot of Twitter talk about how he's been, he got so massive. He gained, I think 30 pounds in about three months and started averaging this week was 350 yards for the driver average which means he hit plenty over 350 to maintain that average the last hole he hit a 367 yard drive on 18 right down the middle left a flip wedge in and tapped in for birdie to secure it it's an entirely different game of golf from where he's hitting the ball to i yeah. don't i don't think he's ever going to hit a four or five long iron into any par four that he plays no matter yeah. how long it is in the par fives he's now having mid irons seven irons into the par fives where guys are hitting three woods it's absolutely insane there yeah. are a lot of a lot of haters doubters on Twitter. a lot of haters a lot of fat shamers recently 
lot of people think saying he's too thick. I'll say what you said, Kurt. You said he's cheating the system. Yes. He's in absolute piss missiles over the woods. Yep. Just friggin' double stroking people and people are talking about how fat he is. Everybody who says that he's too fat is just jealous that they can absolutely pound the ball. Yeah. But just put some respect on this guy's name. Like, just because you can't pound the ball a million yards doesn't mean you have to be on Twitter being a little, you know, keyboard Weasel. warrior talking about how he's gained all this weight. Yeah. And, Come on. I, I saw it coming out of the, the tour, guys. They ask every single player. It probably gets a little annoying in the press yeah. conferences. Oh, what do you think about like what Bryson's doing? And I the the humble guys are like, yeah, it's incredible. It's great for the game. Like a lot of people are tuning in for it. And then yeah. there's other guys who are like, well, we'll be interested to see when swing speed tops out and like ball speed and how he loses his dispersion and can't hit fairways. Blah blah blah. It's like. It doesn't matter if he's hitting the fairway at this point, especially in a regular tour event, because yeah. he's 90 yards ahead of you and has a wedge yeah. in, which he can control to the green. Like, if yeah. they make the rough more penalizing, which they haven't done in years on regular tour events, the only event that they do that in is the mm-hmm. U.S. Open, practically. Uh, but it's just, I, I don't understand what you can hate about his game right now. No. The, per- the personalities step aside and, and look at that for what you will. I know he got mm-hmm. into the cameraman this week and said he, he didn't want him following for such a long time because it was bad for his brand. And I know my cousin Cal hated that. But that's, I mean, that's anybody who's just steaming after a bad shot or a double or something. Yeah. You, you're not going to want a camera in your face. So I cut the guy some slack there. And I enjoy watching him hit absolute bombs, as Phil Mickelson would say, off yeah. the tee. And it's not like the results aren't there. He's the only player other than Victor Hovland and Lucas Glover, I believe, who have been in the top 10 each week. And actually, Hovland finished outside. He was T12 this week, and so was Glover. So coming into this week, it was only him, Lucas Glover, and Victor Hovland. And now he's the only one to finish top 10 all three or four weeks we've been back on the PGA Tour. So I don't know. Cheers cheers to Bryson on just mutilating. The thick boy. He is he's good for the game. In any sport, I like to try to translate things to other sports to, you know, relate across the board. And in any sport, in any league, you need people who are different, people who bring something new to the this game. This guy this guy is different. I mean the way he talks. And he does. Oh. You know? So props to him. He's and I don't know if you know this about him, Drew, but a lot of the, the golf fans following will. Uh he has all the same length irons or shafts in his bag. So I think he goes off a standard seven or a six iron. So his wedges are that long as well as his four iron, which is something that nobody's ever done in the game of golf that I yeah. can recall. So it's he's going at it a completely different way. He bulked up to, you know, get, gain this advantage to be able to win probably more times on tour than not. Yep. And it's just... It's cool to see. I know he got me back in the gym, that's for sure. I want to go out and hit hit some piss missiles and like bombs. he's doing. I don't think I'm going to gain yeah. 30 pounds because I, <laughs> I can't eat 3,500 calories a day. But getting a no. little stronger and, and going out and trying yeah. to get a little better, I mean, there's nothing better than that. 100%, man. All right, with that, we got a special interview this week, Average Joe of the Week. We the clam digger. The clam digger, Matty Lane. Uh Let's kick it off and unpack the bag with him here. All right. We're here with Matt Lane, 
best digger this side of the Mississippi, <laughs> coming in from Gloucester, Mass. Matt, how you doing today? How we doing, boys? Good to talk to you, Cody. It's good to see you, Drew. Absolutely. How you guys oh, we've been good. We've been good over here at TWBLC. We oh, want to yeah. we want to talk to you about the current state of affairs of the clam digging, you know, how it's going. And we want to just talk basics of clam digging, too, because I, I'm willing to bet most of the audience that we have, you know, nine to ten folks who listen, you know, don't, don't know the details. They just like to eat fried clams, as Drew would say. Yep. Yeah, uh, there's a lot that goes goes on with the, with the digging, Cody. You know, it's... it's uh, I like to say, people that come up to me and say, oh, I want to get into digging, I want to start digging. Uh, hold on, we got a little wind, window here. Wind's picking up. <laughs> no. Matt's, Matt's out by the fire, if, if you haven't <laughs> noticed by now. He's got a little natural lighting in there. Yeah. Uh, all right, so yeah, people come up to me, they're like, oh, I want to learn to dig, and I kind of I give them this one. The old, it's almost like the old SpongeBob trick to learn how to blow a bubble, you know? You can be big, you can be strong, you can, whatever, whatever your body looks like, you know, but... It all comes down to technique, and uh, you know I've been doing it forever, so I can tell you that the technique it takes years to years to learn, years to build. I've but, uh, I've went with Matt before, Drew. I yeah. I dug about thirty pounds, and it was one of the hardest days of work in my life, other than unpacking really? the box trucks with Uncle Dana. <laughs> And, you mean other than being a lifeguard sitting up on that on your little perch? Yeah, other than being a lifeguard <laughs> and caddying. Uh, yeah. but Matt, on average, just tell the folks like how many pounds you're digging per day. Uh, we can only dig 250 pounds a day. That's, that's Jeez. the limit. Only, yeah. only 250, only. Drew. Yeah. We, if we that, if there was the no limit, limit kid would blow his back out. Yeah. yeah we, you know, we stick to the limit, you know, and, uh, I do it with my dad and my uncle. So we kind of work as a team, make sure everybody yeah. gets their cat for the day and, you know, so, so one question I did have was in terms of location, are there some hot spots? Is that like something you shouldn't share on the pod? Is it like, uh, you know, deadliest catch where you can't share your spots type of thing? Yeah. I can't just take the, the GPS out and, and say my numbers right out on here. You know, it's just, I, I've had fair. Googans the next day right in my spot. We'd be yelling at them, everything else. Fights, clam wars would happen, dude. Oh, my. We got to get you on Net Geo or something. We got to get a, a reality show going. Yeah, enough with this tuna fishing shows. Let's get some people out on the flats <laughs> with a camera, huh? That that would, that would be, be quite the reality TV. Now, yeah. you no, said, funny. you mentioned you, your dad, your uncle, and it goes back to your grandfather as well. How long yeah, has Diggin been in the family? Uh, for, like, pretty much. Um, my, my grandfather's grandfather dug clams. He sold clams to Woodman's, actually. He was, like, when Woodman's first started. My yep. family was something clams to Woodman, so it goes back a long, couple of generations. Yeah, yeah. and then Funny, I came back from school, and people are like, "Oh, what are you gonna do?" You know, and and I'm just like, you know, it's tough for me to do something else when it's kind of what I was born around. My family's kind of been around the industry their whole lives, so people are like, "Oh, what are you gonna take your diploma and stick it in the mud next to you?" I'm like, "Maybe." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, "Absolutely," Not when it's making me making me that dough. I mean, it's better than exactly. most of us are making, that's for sure. And yeah. um, I know you had aspirations coming out of college with your degree and stuff of someday moving towards business of selling clams. You know, whether it was up and down the East Coast or or to restaurants, etc. Well, where were we at at that stage? 
You know, um, it's still something I, I hope to be doing maybe in the future. I'm kind of, I set back and just, um, you know, come at my, like, end of senior year, the, uh, a guy at a buy field came down and really kind of, like, picked the market up for the diggers more than anything because before there was only a couple places to sell your clams and you know, the guys would get together even though I'm not supposed to and they dropped the price on the diggers. Yep. and uh on their own you know what i mean and, and so we would kind of getting screwed but now this guy came kind of came down and he's selling clams from here to like rhode island connecticut new york and so i mean he's paying top dollar because he he's selling such a large quantity that he's just pumping them out he needs the clams and so and he's not like calling all these other dudes and, and to try and drop the price he doesn't care what he's gonna pay and so when it's like it's a catch you know kind of put my life towards that or do something or just keep digging the way i am and uh and keep myself open to go do stuff like this last winter i took a month off went to the keys for a month and stuff so i don't know while i'm young i'm still kind of living you know Absolutely. but uh i don't know when, when i'm 40 and my back's hurt and i might i might rethink <laughs> taking one of those internships when i was in college but we'll see <laughs> we'll yeah see. uh I, I think drew would like to hear this walk us through just normal day waking up whether it's a a, a single tide versus a double tide talk us through that and you know, going throughout the day? You know, so a single tide, I like the single tides. Uh, the, in the wintertime, the, the days are a lot shorter, so you can only start digging half hour before sunrise, and you can only dig till a half hour after the sunset, and you got to be in. So um, in the wintertime, the days are a lot shorter, so we have a lot shorter days digging too, and there's not as many doubles. But, like, last couple of weeks, we've had double tides where it's just – grind you wake up at 3 30 you're out there at like four o'clock you come in you, you eat you nap and you're right back out there around one or two and then all the way till like seven or eight o'clock at night dude and you just you beat you do that for five days straight you, you're pretty much like the week just flies by yeah and and then that no wonder you look pretty tan pretty much all year round i'd say especially when you're coming back from <laughs> florida on the on the off season at school so when you when you came back, you you didn't stop the tanning all year round, pretty much. All right. So I I guess my last question would be something I hear a lot. It's an excuse that people throw it around. I don't know what it really means, and I want to know what is a red tide. All right. So you know I get this question a lot too because there's two different things that closes down. It's red tide, which is like a bacteria in the water, and uh, that like, just comes in. They, we actually don't get it that bad up here. I mean, we get it, but not to the extent that, like, down in Florida and the Gulf Coast and stuff, where you are, Curdy, yep. they'll get it and it'll kill, like, the fish and everything else. Up here, we'll get, it won't really affect the fish or anything, but it will have, like, enough where if it gets in the clams and you eat them, it can't be cooked out because it's, like, a bacteria they eat, so it goes in their stomachs. But, uh, yeah, we didn't get it this year, luckily. And then the other thing that people, like, think red tide is is rainfall. And we get closed on a rainfall when there's, like, 0.6 inches, six tenths of an inch of rain here, just because of the runoff water that goes in the river. Just kind of like precautions, you know. Like gotcha. Fine, but yeah, it's definitely just a precautionary thing. Not a bad well, now question, I know. Drew. Yeah. Ne- hey, next time uh, I'm at a not, restaurant not, or I'm like sitting outside the cupboard or something, and I hear rumblings, I'll know, you know, the science behind it. Yeah, so you'll I say no. It's just six tenths of rain. Not. It's not red tide. Not from <laughs> exactly. my source, Maddie Lane. <laughs> exactly, bro. Exactly. Money. <laughs> 
All right, Matt, thanks for yeah. the, the clam talk, but let's get into, you know, one of your other passions outside of work. I got to talk about the bowling season. I was, I was just about to bring it up, Gary. Yes. I mean, when Corona hit, people ask me, they're like, ah, how did it affect you? I'm like, yeah, I worked here and there through it. You know, we took a couple of weeks off and, uh, you know, I was supposed to go on a trip to Colorado skiing right when it happened. Yep. Like they shut, right, they shut the mountains down. So that kind of sucked. But, uh, yeah, the, the, my biggest heartbreak was the bowling. You know, we just were making it to the semifinals. You know, the, the team was there. We were right there. You know, we were going to compete for a championship this year. I, I think this could have been the year. Absolutely. So, and I was I was really bumming. I, I really lit it up, too. The playoffs came, and I was a different bowler. It was insane. You know, that the team was buzzing. That's the best time to, to come alive and get hot because you got that low <laughs> handicap, and then you just start blowing people out. Oh, oh yeah, you know it was like it was planned, you know. Yep. Maybe it probably wasn't, but <laughs> now what is? We've went over this before on the podcast. Me and Drew being uh, some bowling fanatics as well, and we've we've bowled with you quite a bit. But what's some of your favorite terminology down the alleyways that you you might hear from Wiki or or some of the other characters down Cape Ann Lanes? You know, um, I, I mean, in the playoffs, you know, it's every pin. You know, you're not you're not talking about you know, talking about, uh, you know, um, sixes and sevens. Game. You're not talking about individual games. You're talking about every pin. And good, pin. You as, need good pin. As Absolutely. many would say down the lanes, you can't win with, with sixes and sevens in the playoffs. You got to get, win you got to grind yeah. out those eight, nines, and tens. And those tens, they feel better than almost anything when you get them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, can't win with sixes. Fives, fours, threes. I mean, I'm sure we've had a couple ones this year. <laughs> the boys, have, the boys have had a couple of fun nights down the alley. So yeah, I, I've heard you guys have a, occasional, you know, gutter balls all out of nowhere. Sometimes you get a zero. Sometimes I've heard of some zeros <laughs> down the alleyways, and those are those we are almost more exciting than a Coos. strike. Uh, yeah, Coos. Team in yeah. he lit a fire. You know, he lights the fire. He comes. He's ready to go. <laughs> He's always he's always well lubed down the alleyways, as I like to put oh, yeah. it. You know, he comes in and we're like, "Who wants a beer tonight?" And he's like, "I already had four in the parking lot." I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, he, he brings the energy, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing better than a little Cape Ann lanes. Drew, you got any parting shots here from Matt? No, I think that's it. Red Tide was my big question. I love the bowling talk, and it, it's a pleasure to have you on, and always a pleasure to catch yeah, up with you. So I appreciate you coming on. Keep them coming. Yeah. <laughs> thanks right, for boys. thanks for coming on, Matt. And you know, you ever need clams? He's your guy to talk to. He's always got a yeah. a, a surplus I mean, from those two hundred and fifty pounds a day. <laughs> we can work something out. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, boys. Have a yeah. going, guys. Thanks, Matty. See ya. Alrighty. See ya. Alrighty. Thanks, Matty, for coming on. Always a pleasure. Best clam digger this side of the Mississippi, as I like to say, might be in the entire country. Who knows? Now, Drew, let's get into a topic that hits too close to home for the both of us here. It's gonna you be to say it. it's gonna be one of my favorites though. It's whose hair do you want? Let's yeah. start off with you. I know you got a good one. Let's hear it. I do. Um fan favorite I'll say a lot of the girls uh, and you know a lot of the chicks digging this guy left field the Boston Red Sox Andrew Benintendi I don't know how you can't not want his flow I mean it is the talk of the town 
It's all over social media. The girls are drooling over him with this flow coming out of his hat. I want his hair, no questions asked, seven days a week. Andrew Benatendi. Solid choice. I didn't think of that one, mostly because it's, it's a recency bias for me. I, I turned on ESPN the other day, and they had some throwbacks of classic Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer throwbacks. Uh, it was 2008 Wimbledon, I believe, which was described as the greatest tennis match of all time by many. And I'm not going to go with what you think here. I'm not going with Nadal because he's starting to lose it up top a bit, too. Uh, if you've noticed the recent U.S. Open victory, he took the headband off. It's looking a little bleak up there like us. I'm going with Roger Federer. That man's hair has looked the same now for almost 20 years. And he's, I think, 38 years old, maybe pushing 39. Yeah. You want to talk about feathered and lethal, like White Goodman said in Dodgeball? This guy is the standing example of what feathered and lethal is. I watched, it was the 2019 match he had. It was also on a rerun. It it was a five-setter, I believe, and I I think it was against Djokovic in Wimbledon. Five-setter, five hours. He didn't have a lick of moisture in that hair. I mean, didn't even look like he was sweating. It was, it was probably wasn't probably wasn't flowing in the wind, flowing in the wind. Like it was at the start of the match. And I thought to myself, that might be the best head of hair in all of tennis easily, but maybe in all of sports up there with the Andrew Benatendis. And we'll see the longevity of, of Andrew Benatendis and see if he can keep it going like Roger has. I would love to see Andrew keep that going. It's about reliability, availability, consistency. Like you said, it looks the same at the end as it did in the beginning for the last 20 years. So that's the impressive part for me. And for the both of us, especially the longevity piece. Yeah. It's very, it's crucial as we know. So I totally respect that. And frankly, didn't totally expect it, but uh, it's a great pick. Now, I have to ask you, if you had to put an over-under on, on you know, I'd, I'd put us at the decent hair days now. It's not even good hair days. Uh, decent hair days. How many you got left? How much until we're just, you know, bicking it? You know what? That's a tough question because I think for me, it's just going to come down to when I've had enough. You know, like. Yeah. I think one day I'm just going to wake up and I'm going to know. And I'm just going to say, that's it. I have to. Where the buzzes. I have to, for the audience, ask this question. Would you Would you scientifically go after it? Would you scientifically try to, to beat the regression? I, I don't want to share this with everybody. But I am currently. Currently in a battle with science. Yes, for the last month and a half. For the rest of my life. Until I... Either don't have, cannot financially support yeah. this fight, okay, or emotionally cannot withstand the rigors of keeping up with this fight. Now, can I ask routine product? I mean, we've opened this bag of worms. I might just be asking for myself. Some would say. Yeah, I mean, I don't have horrible hair, but I want to keep what I have. Yep. Uh, I hear five... that's the big thing. I hear the big thing is. It's not a, a grow back type of deal. It's a no, keep no. It where it's not it about 
Exactly. It's let's put a halt to this. You're not going to look like Roger Federer in a week. It's about keeping what you have and stopping the regression. Yeah. It's Rogaine, 5% foam, morning and night, every single day. Now, do you have to, is that like a, a shampoo or is that, nope. ju- it's like a, just a foam to rub through? Yes, on the scalp. And it stays in, you don't wash it out because it needs to get into the actual follicles of your skin. Go ahead. Okay. So w- would you put it in the part like of your hair or is it just in the trouble areas? Trouble areas. So just like crown. where there's mostly ground, skin. Yes, like crown, like, you know, the right up here by like yeah. your temple or whatever. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I'll keep you guys updated. Yeah, I mean, we'll love we'll love to see the results. Who knows? It could be a, a, a sponsor of the TWBLC one day. I'll probably be on it at some point if it works yeah, for you. Yeah, I'm trying it out. I think at this point it's worth a shot during quarantine. Like, you know, not a lot of people are seeing me anyways, so might as well give it a rip, right? Absolutely. Love the transparency here by our, our co-host, Drew. Now, second order of business. We got a fitness challenge to announce. This isn't a hashtag event. We're not trying to get a gimmick thing going on. We this want, isn't even the hood mile. This we, isn't even the hood mile. We want real competitive drive because I think that's what drives results. Yeah. We're, we're going to challenge beneath the bar, all three of them, Jaybird, Kenzie. Officially right now. And Adam right now. Three against two. Starting. Two. We'll start Sunday. We'll give them Sunday because they they don't like the Friday, Saturday this weekend probably. Too short a notice. Uh, yeah. But we'll do Sunday to Sunday. Every week Fair. we'll send in our reports, and it's going to be a mileage. It's going to be a, a running, a walking, whatever you want to count. I'm not counting steps, though. I won't. I, you're not, you're not going to count biking miles either, right? Running or walking only. Yeah. I don't have a bike, so I'm going to say no to that because – that's, that's it's too easy. It's it's like yeah. it's PEDs for mileage, because you yep. could go out and bike twenty miles. You could you could double every day. Yeah. So I I think it'll be fun. Bryson's got me back in the gym, so I'll be I'll be running, walking, incline walking up a storm. Right. I know you're gonna get pen- competitive. You're gonna have to supplement. We we got a two verse three. I think I we. Think, I don't think it's a question that we we're. I mean. Because I'm, com- it's more mental for me. Like I will walk as long as I have to, as far as I have to, to ensure that we beat them two v three. And I think no they, question. I think they have a little bit of that in them, but they may have some outside distractions where, you know, they're, they they want to go the bars. They're they're hurting a little in the morning, not going for for their mileage. So we'll yeah. see. You're I, biker too. That's some. That's something I do want to note. I don't know if they're totally used to being on foot, like consistently like that. Grinding. Competitively. They're big bikers. I see them biking roller around. Rollerblades. Kenzie's big on rollerblades. Huge on blades. So that'll be interesting to kind of take them out of the norm yep. and see just a, a classic old fashioned, you know, walk and run. Let's log the mileage. And it's honor system too. It's you log your miles and you got to be transparent and honest. And yep. That's part of the competition. I'll even give you a ballpark. I'll even say we can, you know, you can round. We're not trying to round up from like the the half mile right on up. But if you're no. if you go out and walk and you don't set something, you know, just give me a give me a round number or what you think it's close to. So yeah. I'll be looking forward to that week one. We gotta be I don't know 
and Vegas drew, we've got to be minus 250 against them. It's going to be it's going to be a thrashing, I think. Yeah, I <laughs> I'm I I expect that I will come out of the gate hot. Yep. Um it's going to be about hey, similar to Joey Chestnut, can I withstand that pace? That's what it's going to come down to for me. Can I keep up the pace Sunday Monday? I'm thinking I come out of the gate hot and try to, you know, get ahead a little bit. Yep. And and then kind of go from there. So Absolutely. It's going to be fun competitive drive we don't need any you know gimmick challenges apparel brand whatever you want to throw out there we're just going to get down to the grindstone we're going to do some mileage with that drew let's go to a lighter note give me your dad yeah. joke of the week dad dad joke of the week brought to you by gloucester gear where with the locals where once again this week's submission is brought to you by Connor Atkins. Frex. He says, here's a dad joke for you. We may have may not have heard it. I haven't personally. How do you know a joke is a dad joke? It's a parent. <laughs> that one's great one. Very simple. Play on words. Point. Yes. A little bit of a play on words, which we love. That's my dad joke of the week. It's a good one. I like it. And to cap everything off here, long episode this week, but it's been a good one. We'll end it on a Lou Gehrig quote. This was his last game as a Yankee, I believe. He said, barring his ALS, uh, his ALS diagnosis, he said, Yet today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. With that, we'll close it out. Pat Goss. Get us out of here. What's for lunch? T-double-B-L-C. Stay in your seat. What's for lunch today? Sazits. Brown bag, brown bag. The Brown Bag Lunch Group.